Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. All right, how many of you are ready for the word of the Lord this morning? So good. So check this out. We've been in this series called Healthy Choices, and it has nothing to do with kale, carrots, or exercise, but there are some choices that we can make that can help us in our walk with God and in our walk with one another. And so this is what the series is all about. In week one, we talked about making the choice to take the next step. Guys, it's honest. It's true. There are a lot of people, many times because of hurts and pains, that fail to take the next step in their progression with the Lord, oftentimes because of those hurts, pains, and injuries. It's almost like a child, you know what I'm saying? They, get, they, they, they break their ankle, and if that, if that break is on a growth plate, then, then, then it's, going to, it's going to limit the growth that that child is, is able to experience. And there's a lot of people that have injuries spiritually, mentally, emotionally, even physically that, that, that cause a person to stop in their growth in the Lord. How many of you know that God takes us from glory to glory? And so taking the next step is a choice. And I want you to know this, that there's always, somebody say always. always. Somebody say Always. Always going to be a next step. Always there will be a next step. And then last week we talked about choosing to be generous. You have the choice to live open-handed or closed-fisted. Even after you've received from an open-handed God, it's amazing to me how stingy and self-centered and so, and so protective people are over what it is that God has given them, come on, to, to be used to advance the kingdom. See, you're not near as smart as you think you are, Right? You know, you got a great job and a great, you know, great career and you've done things well. But let me just tell you that that came to you not because you were smart and made all the right decisions. It came to you because God is a good God. And so if you have been blessed with much, there's a responsibility for that much that you've been blessed with. And I'm just going to tell you, you can choose to be stingy and self-centered or you can choose to live an open life that is, that is all about advancing the kingdom of God, not with, not with checks and balances and living so carefully. And I'm not telling you to live foolishly, but I'm telling you, be open, come on, to what it is and ask yourself the question, why are you blessed the way that you're blessed? You're blessed to be a blessing. Somebody say, amen. Those three of you that, that believe what I'm saying right now, somebody, I want to hear from the three that say amen this morning. There you go. We got about four or five that time, so that was good. So today, um, today we're going to be talking about a choice to love out loud. Proverbs chapter two and verse eleven says this, and this is the this is our passage of scripture for the entirety of this series. It says this: Wise choices will watch over you; understanding will keep you safe. So our goal is to go from good intentions, right, to wise choices. A.W. Tozer said it like this, the driver on the highway is not safe when he simply reads the signs, but when he obeys them. So it's one thing to know, it's another thing to do. The Bible says to be not, not just hearers of the word, but to do what? To be doers 
of the word. And so when God reveals something, just like I had the opportunity to speak to our online church while everybody was greeting themselves, when God reveals something to you, there's a responsibility that is attached with that thing that you have learned. Don't be a person where God is showing you amazing gold nuggets of information on how it is that you should live and then just deny what it is that he has spoken of and kind of do your own thing. Don't be that person because maybe God will stop speaking to you. So that's our goal is to go from good intentions to wise choices. Um, that we would just not know what to do, but we would do it. So, so the title again is, is choosing to live or to love out loud. First John chapter 4 and verse 7 says it like this. This is the NLT. The New Living Translation says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is, what? Love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. What's real love? He's getting ready to tell you what real love is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Somebody say amen. Dear friends, this is the challenge. Listen, right? So you can't just receive this and stop. This is the challenge. The Bible says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Oh, my goodness. How powerful is that? Since we've experienced the love of God, the sacrificial love of God, to that extent, surely, right? Surely we ought to love each other. So one of the most important things that we can do in this thing called life is to share and show and live the love of God. Verse 8 shows us that God is love. I think it's interesting we live in a world today where people attempt to define what love is. They make the definition of what love is and then they try to fit God, they try to filter God into their definition of what love is. And then whenever those two things don't match up, then how can God be loving? What an evil, angry, terrible God that would allow such things. I want you to know this, that everything that God does is because he loves. He is the definition of love. There is no better definition. What's the definition of love? God. He is the definition. And then verse 10 says, he is love. Verse 8, verse 10, God loved us. And I just want you to know, if you don't get anything else out of the message today, if you've had a hard time feeling love from other people and maybe even the people that should have cared for you the most, you know what I mean, should have nurtured you, I want you to know today, even though they may have failed you, I want you to know this, that God loves you. Absolutely, God loves you. And if you will open up your heart to him and just kind of let down some of the walls, I promise you this, that God is going to prove his amazing love for you. He will show his love for you. Can I get a good amen right there? And then also in verse 11, it says, because of this, we ought to love others. And so this is a, this is a divine order of love. We gotta know God is love and that he loved us and then we ought to love other people and it needs to be in that order. See, we release what it is that we have received. You cannot give what you don't possess. 
You can't give what you don't, what you don't, what you don't have, right? And so we are able to give what it is that we receive. There's two difficult truths I want to share with you this morning. Number one, we live in a world that so desperately needs love. I'm telling you what, you wouldn't have to spend but maybe five minutes, like if you went out into your day, into your world, whatever your world consists of, you wouldn't have to spend but five minutes and you would find somebody. Like if you were looking for it, you wouldn't have to spend five minutes before you found somebody that needed some love. You know what the other truth is? The other truth is, is people are becoming more and more difficult to love. And that's a whole message in itself. And just because people are difficult to love, right, there's such a divide and so much division that if you're not like me, we can't walk together. Can I just tell you this, that that's not necessarily, you know, the church. There becomes a time where, where, where there is no fellowship between light and darkness. But I'm telling you what, man, we can love people that are hard to love. And it's very possible that in that attempt, in that action of loving people, that they may be won over. Why? Because now they've received something that they can in turn give to somebody else. Wow, that is good stuff. Thank you, Lord. Love is extremely misunderstood, right? When one word means everything, it's very difficult for that one word to mean anything. Like we love Starbucks and we love our wives. Like, we love chocolate pie, and, and, and we love God. And so when one word means so many different things, it's hard for that one word to really mean anything. We love God, and we love Dutch Bros. In Facebook, I, I sent out a message because I was interested in, 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 in how we misunderstand this thing called love. And I'm telling you what, if you want the entirety of a sermon... Go out and read that Facebook questionnaire that I posted. There were some really, really amazing things that were written and some things that I'm just like, yes. And then there was just a couple of things that I was like, almost. And then there were some other things where it's like, man, you missed it. You, you know what I mean? But go out there and just, and just, and just read that because it will, it will minister to you and it will show you a little bit of, 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 of how people misunderstand this thing called love. Number one, people misunderstand love because they think that love comes from feelings. Drew Olson, and this is the last person that I'm going to name because I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't get permission, but you can go out there and read them all. But Drew Olson, he wrote this, and I just love what he wrote. He said, modern TV shows portray love as only a feeling or a chemical reaction in somebody's brain that changes often or is lost easily. Because of this, people regularly leave their families and friends on a whim. I don't know if you heard that, but because of this, people often leave their, fam their families and friends on a whim. Hmm. Because of this misunderstanding of what love is, that love is just based on a feeling, people often leave their families and friends on a whim. Just one more time, just to make sure you got it this morning. Because of this misunderstanding that love is a feeling and that feeling is now gone, people will often leave their families and their friends on a whim. 
People take the easy route instead of doing the work to keep their families together. I want to repeat that again. I ain't got time. Hollywood is doing a disservice to society by promoting mistruths about what love is and what is required for it to last. Oh my gosh. Drew, write a book. Write a book, Drew Olson. Holy cow, so much power and truth in, in a paragraph, not even a paragraph. Love has feeling, but it's not a feeling. If it was a feeling, that means that, that you would love this moment, but because your feelings have changed, love is gone the next moment. I can tell you this, that some of you this week, men, missed the laundry basket. <clears throat> some of you men this week missed the trash can. And some of you men this week missed the toilet. <laughs> and I can just tell you, if you miss those three things on a regular basis, love can change. If it... If it's only based on a feeling, like none of us would be, most of us, some of us would not be married today if love was just based on a feeling. Last week, I'm not going to hit that. <laughs> Number two, <clears throat> love requires approval. Somebody said love requires approval. This is so popular in our world today that, that if you love me, you're going to approve of what it is that I do. But the truth is, is love always is in search, always desires the greater good for that person that you care for. And the truth is, is that oftentimes that person that you love so much is not living in the greater good that is going to benefit their life. And I'm telling you, one of the things that loving out loud does is it has at least a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like if you see how a friend that you love so much is fixing to make some poor decisions or in the middle of poor decisions, by you remaining silent because, you know what I mean, that's kind of just their life. And I'm just telling you what, that's not love out loud. You know what I mean? That's not love. Like you really don't care for that person as much as you think you care for that person. I remember when my kids were little, little, and they would come home, and they would come home from school on a Friday, and they'd be like, Dad, Mom, can I stay? I'm just making up a name here. So if your kid's this name, it's not talking about you, even if, Dad, can I stay the night at Joey's house? Dad, I really want to stay the night. If you love me, you will let me stay the night at Joey's house. The problem is, is my son doesn't realize that Joey's parents don't parent like Tina and I parent. And so it doesn't matter how much begging and how much pleading and, 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 and how much my son desired to spend the night at Joey's house because the parents are disconnected from what the children do. There is no possible way that my kid 
is ever going to stay the night with Joey. Not because Joey's a bad kid, but because the parents let Joey do whatever Joey wants to do. And so my kid can say, Dad, you don't even love me anymore. You won't let me spend the night with Joey. I'm like, well, you can think that. But I love you so much that I'm not going to allow you to do something that could potentially harm you or hurt you. Right? Number three is this. Love is earned or based on performance. Man, there were so many posts that came across that really, that really show that people understand this when if you do ABC for me, then I'll do X, Y, and Z for you. It's based off of, it's based off of uh, earning it or performance. In our world, there's so much value that is placed on what we do. Even in the, the church world, like our history has really been based off of so much, like religion is really good at basing value off of what it is that you contribute. And we really have to fight this because this is an easy, this is an easy thing for our flesh to enter into. It's like, well, they really didn't do much for me anyway, ta-ta-ta. You know what I mean? And then we fight more for people that, that really do a lot for us. And so I'm just saying that there's something broken even in our flesh that this needs to be dealt with if we treat people differently because of what it is that they can do for us. Because I'm telling you this, that love is not earned and it's not based on performance. One person said it like this, I grew up in a home where love was based on performance. It was an unspoken rule. I struggle with relationships today because of this. Another said, I struggle to feel that I even deserve to be loved by God, by others, or even by myself. See, this person is saying, listen, I'm surrounded by love. I know what love is, but it's hard for me to connect to this thing called love. Another person even said, I feel unworthy of love because of my past. I find it hard to accept love unless I'm doing something to earn it. Like I have to be doing something before I can, before I can even, even allow myself to receive this thing called love. See, right now, because of what I've already spoken, you probably know of somebody that is working so hard to be loved. They're working so hard to do enough so that they can, they can receive and be on the, on the receiving end of this thing called love. But we have to receive it to release it. We can't give what we don't have. There was one person that was so close in, there, in what she said, and I was just like, oh, you're almost there. You're almost there. But she said this, you have to give it to receive it. I say, you just got it backwards. You just got it backwards. Like you have to, you have to, wait, she said, you have to give it to receive. Did I say that backwards? You have to, she said, you have to give it to receive it. And I'm like, no, you got to receive it. You got to see it. You got to own it before you can, before you can give it. See, I don't believe that we've got a loving problem. What we have is a receiving problem. I'm going to show you this in and through a parable, a story 
that Jesus taught. This is a very familiar story to you, and, and some of you are going to be like, ah, I heard it already. But hopefully there's some reminders in and through this story that are really going to minister to you. How many of you know that God has the ability, the Holy Spirit, the anointing that is on the Word of God itself, has the ability to meet you right where you are, even if you've, if you've heard it, read it a thousand times over, it's able to minister to you in a new way. So if you believe that, then don't check out whenever we're going through the story, all right? Boy, I could have just not come today or watched it online if I knew that he was going to talk about the prodigal son. <laughs> this is a true picture of what love is about. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, we got to set it up with this first. Luke 15 and 1, it says... It says tax collectors, and this is the NLT. I just love how this, how this reads, tax collectors, and it says other notorious sinners. <laughs> I, always, I always considered myself an excellent sinner. You know what I'm saying? But I saw this word, and I'm changing my definition. I'm a notorious sinner. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, like not now. I'm not now. I was. Got to make that clear. Pastor's a notorious sinner. Interesting. Often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such people, even eating with them. In Jewish culture, what we need to know and realize that the highest form of fellowship is really to sit across the table, really to share your own table with, with, with somebody and to eat food. Um, how many of you think that's a great way to fellowship? I still believe, but this was the highest form of fellowship to break bread together, to invite somebody you know, into your home or to go into somebody's home and, and share their food with them. And so why is this man, the question is, is why is Jesus eating with sinners, and this was very disturbing to the religious leaders. In response, like Jesus didn't just give them the answer. I love this. Jesus tells them a story, and it's one story with three parts. The first part of the story is the story of the lost sheep that shows us that Jesus has a passion for sinners. The second story that Jesus tells is the story of the lost coin, which shows us that Jesus values sinners. And the third story is the story that we're going to talk about here today, the story of the lost son, and it shows us some things that I'm fixing to unveil to you. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 is where we're going to pick up. It says, a man had two sons. I think it's interesting this is known as the prodigal son, but it's really a story about, about two sons. And I want you to just know this, kind of tag this in the, back of your, in the back of your mind, that whenever the Bible speaks of two things, not always, but many times, God is showing us that there is a choice. You can do this or you can do that. So two means what? A choice. There's a choice on the table. So just kind of file that in the back of your in the back of your mind. So a man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now listen, this right here would be a tremendous shock to all of the listeners that heard it. It's football season right now. How many of you have gone out to a high school football game or 
uh, looking forward to going to that college football game. I can tell you this, a person that have always enjoyed football, not real, don't really have a stomach for NFL football, but that's for another, that's for another day. Still having some issues with, with anyway, I'm not got to get off of it. When somebody has a really big hit on the field, like whenever there is just, when there's cracking of helmets, what do you hear from the stands? Oh, okay, on the count of three, let's just, let's just make. So there's a big hit that just takes place on the field. One, two, three. What do we hear? Oh, yeah, that's, he's like, ah. <laughs> that was really good. There's no way second service is going to be as good as first service. No way. It's impossible. So whenever, whenever this boy said this to his father, I can tell you this, that all of the air escaped the room. It was just like that same, ooh. It's just like, ah, I can't believe. Why? Because what he was saying is, is that I wish, Dad, that you were dead. And it shows the hate, it shows the hurt, it shows the contempt that is in this kid's heart to even approach his dad like this. And so when the dad, Jewish culture would have been, the dad would take his left hand because the boy doesn't even deserve the right hand. I'm going to take my left hand and I'm going to smack you across your face for even approaching me. The father didn't do that. Jewish culture, that's what should have happened. You don't deserve my right hand, my power hand. I'm going to smack you with my left. And that didn't happen. What happened was this. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. Now listen, I want you to know that this man's estate wasn't in liquid assets. This man's estate dealt with property, land, which is land, and then probably livestock. And so to divide the land, he literally had to give the, the portion to, the, to the, 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 the selfish son, this prodigal son, and the son left a few days later. Why did the son leave a few days later? Because he had to liquidate all of the assets. He had to sell it. And I'm telling you, he probably didn't sell it for what it was worth. And you also need to know back then, when a father died and left an inheritance to the kids, much of the time the kids would remain the same in the same place. Why? Because, because they're, they're hiring a lot of uh, hired hands. You know what I mean? To keep things going. There's a lot of people in the community that is counting, come on, on all of these assets, all of these you know, all this livestock, all this land being in one location. See, it doesn't just benefit the family. It benefits many people in the community. We should know that more than anybody knows that being in an agricultural community here. And so when this boy, when he liquidates it, He's not thinking of anything else but himself. He's not thinking about the families that it's going to hurt. He's thinking completely of himself. And this decision that this boy made, you need to know, is selfish and final. In fact, there's a ceremony in Jewish culture. It's called a, um, I'm going to murder this. But it's called a kezaza ceremony. 
And a kazaza ceremony is whenever somebody in a family acts in a certain way that is rebellious. Just like the man should have, could have, not should have, but could have slapped the son. That was part of their culture with his left hand and he didn't do it. A kazaza ceremony is where the community, the village comes out and it's law, like it is law. And they, and they say, listen, this is what we're gonna do. They bring their clay pots out and they literally, if that boy or that daughter or that person, you know what I mean, tries to come back into community, they will rush out and they will throw these clay pots at the feet of that person. And basically it says this, that no longer are you welcome here. No, uh, get him a Band-Aid. No longer are you welcome. No longer somebody give Courtney a new clay pot because that was her clay pot. No longer can you return into this community. We're drawing a line here. You can't come back. And that's a ceremony that's in place. It's a line that you cannot cross because of what you've done. You can never return. And so while this boy was away, he wasted all of his money on wild living. And we, can, we don't have to spend any time on that. It's the same wild living that people would waste their money on today without a covenant relationship with the Lord. And so about the time that his, man, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Somebody say he began to starve. So there were three things that happened. He was broke. There was a famine that hit the land at this, at this time. And now he's got health issues and physical issues. Why? Because he is hungry. He persuaded a farmer to hire him and and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. In Jewish culture, this is the worst thing that could happen. When you think that things can't get any worse, it can. Pigs are unclean. Now this man is unclean. He was so hungry, the pig food started to look good to him, but nobody gave him anything. Like, listen, this guy was at rock bottom. He was filled with hate and hurt, and he had just been spending all of this wealth on himself. You know what I mean? Thinking that he was going to be able to gather friends and relationships. And then when the money was out, you can tell that everybody else was out too. I've lived that before. It's amazing when you got money in your pocket and, and, and you're willing to buy drinks for everybody all night long. And then all of a the sudden, those, you, you ain't got money in your pocket. And they're not calling you to buy you drinks all night long. It's amazing how you are surrounded by friends, but you just gone to jail and nobody's there to help you out, right? They're there in the good times, but in the bad times, you're all alone. This is what this guy was, was dealing with. He's all alone, he's isolated, he's hungry, he's tired, and he's unclean. He, my friends, is a notorious sinner. He is an excellent sinner, just like you're an excellent sinner, and just like I'm an excellent sinner. And so Jesus is, is answering this question, why is Jesus meeting with these tax collectors and these notorious sinners? And he just went on to show them. And the Bible says that when the boy finally came to his senses, he said to himself, he said, 
back home, even my hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. It doesn't make sense. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I want you to know that this was, <laughs> this was a practiced speech, right? Father, I want you to know that I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against uh, you and and no longer am I worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. For years and years and years, I used to think that this was a form of repentance. I'm like, man, good for you. You hit rock bottom, and it was a form of repentance. I don't think that anymore. Why? Because he came to his senses. All he was thinking about is me and me and me and me and me. He wasn't thinking about the hurt and the pain that he had caused anybody. He's trying to figure out how he can get back into the family, even as a servant. But maybe he could somehow repay over time and kind of work himself into sonship once again. I might be reading into that a little bit, but I don't think that this is true repentance I don't think it is so we returned home and still while he was a long way off his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him he ran to his son he ran to his son he ran to his son I want you to know in Jewish culture a man of this stature would never run for anybody and you might be thinking well Man of my stature would never run for anybody either. Why wouldn't he not run? Because in Jewish culture, running would expose his legs, you know, through his cloak. And people would be looking like, why is he, why is he? It would be an embarrassment to him, the entirety of the family. And it would be an embarrassment even to the village that they called home, that they called community. So it was embarrassing. Why is he running? Why? Because the people are also noticing. If the man saw that the sun is far off, then the people also, if they haven't noticed yet, they're going to notice real soon that the boy that, that has done all of these terrible things is now coming home. Guess what? They're going to grab their pots and they're going to be running out to meet this boy as well. So the man is like, man, I've got to get out there before anybody else gets out there. So this Kezaza ceremony doesn't take place. They're coming to throw guilt and shame and condemnation on this boy. By the way, all these things this boy deserves. Just like everything that you have done, it deserves something worse than what it is that you're receiving. He deserved that line to be drawn. He deserved to not be able to come back into the good graces of the family. He deserved to be an outcast for the rest of his life. All these things he deserves. So why is the, why is the dad running to get in front of the pots? He runs to literally take the shame and the embarrassment on himself so that his son would not have to taste of the condemnation. 
You see, what we need to know is these clay pots really don't represent clay pots. They represent the cross of Jesus Christ because this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. Come on, he has taken the shame, the condemnation, so that you, as an excellent or a notorious sinner, one that deserves to be cast out and one that that deserves to not have community, to not have fellowship, Jesus himself ran to the cross to die for your sins and my sins. So we've got like Romans 8 and verse 1, right? We've got these scriptures that we, like we deserve so much more than what it is that we have gotten. Why? Because Jesus has paid for it. So he's saying, why do I eat with sinners? Because because I feel like it? No, no, that's not it. Jesus is like, why do I eat with sinners? To, because I approve of what they're doing? No, that's not it either. Why do, I, why do I eat with sinners? Because they earned it? No, they didn't do anything. I, I couldn't bring anything to the table but just my brokenness. I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. You weren't better than the next guy, so, so you received it. Why do I eat with sinners, he's saying? Because I want them to receive my love. His son goes on. Yeah, yeah. You and me, mommy. His son said, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against both heavens. See, he's repeating this. He's repeating this speech that he has prepared, probably practiced the whole way home. He begins his speech, Father, I've sinned against, and, and the Father just cuts him off. I can just see the Father, he's like, like, listen, man, he calls to his servants, go get the robe, go get the ring, and go get the sandals. Three things that we receive whenever we come to Jesus Christ. Three things that, three symbolic things that we receive. See, the robe is forgiveness. It just wraps around us. Come on, his love and his mercy and his grace, his forgiveness wraps around us like a robe. Man, if you've received the forgiveness of God, just give God just a good amen right there. Man, I have received the forgiveness of God. The second thing is the ring. He puts the ring on his finger, and the ring represents identity, right? He gives us identity. And the third thing is sandals, which represent purpose, right? God didn't just save you, you know what I mean, so that you didn't go to hell and you could spend the entirety of your eternity in heaven. Like, that's a big part of it, right? But he saved you, and he called you with a purpose. 2 Timothy 1.9, for those who have been saved have been called with a holy calling, and that calling was placed on their life before they were even born. Joe, before you breathed your first breath, God said, there's going to be a guy by the name of Joe, and he's got a purpose. I put purpose in his DNA. And when you gave your heart to Jesus, man, you're just like step right into that purpose. And, and you've got, but see, that's a choice too. You don't, you don't just, you don't have to fulfill your purpose. You don't have to do your purpose. Like you can live the entirety of your life just saved, not doing anything for anybody, but you yourself just barely escaped the flame, barely escaped the fire, not to bring anybody else with you. Who in the world wants to live a life like that? Not me. It's interesting. This is very similar to believe, belong, serve. So then the father says, then kill the calf. 
that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. For my son was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was, was working in the fields. So the other son... The other son here had everything right on paper but was broken just as much as the son that went away to a distant land. Come on, this son was filled maybe with pride and self-righteousness, but his relationship with his father was just as broken and his relationship with others was just as broken. So which one will you be? Remember, when there's two of anything, oftentimes it represents a choice. Are you gonna be the one that receives or you're gonna be the one son that just is on the edge kind of missing out, just on the fringes missing out. First John chapter four and verse 11 says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we ought to also love each other. Have you ever met somebody um, that was a loving person that lived selfishly? I've never met somebody that is a loving person that lives selfishly. We get what we receive. So, so how do we love these people? Number one, we have to see them. And I'm telling you this, that once again, in your world, every single day that you step out into your world, every single day, there are people that you may assume are being seen or they feel like they're being seen, but they're not being seen. You know, it's just like we've talked about here. You can be in a, in a crowded room, but yet feel completely isolated and all alone. There's a lot of people that are living this way. How do I know this? Because I cannot even imagine that I would have ever in the entirety of my life seen as many people making the choice to commit suicide. I just wonder if they just felt the love of somebody. And, and I'm not saying that, 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 that that's going to change the course of, of their decision, but could it change the course of one? Because sometimes people are surrounded by people that have tried everything and continue to try everything to get somebody the help that they need and they still continue to make that decision. So I'm not trying to blanket statement, broad statement, but I'm saying that it is possible that your love, your reaching out, your care, your compassion to that one person may change the course of their decision and they may live on. So make a list, the challenge, make a list of five people. Begin to focus on those five people that you know. Pray for those five people. Intentionally bump into those five people. As we're entering into the fall, be intentional with the five people that God gives you know, to you to write those down. And then step into that place where you're going to make a difference in those five lives. I'm telling you what, if our entire church would do this, it'd change this community. Every person looking for five to make a difference. So who should I love? 1 Corinthians 13 says this, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, right? Keeps no record of wrongdoing. We know all these things, so who should I love? Who needs patience in your life? That's a good place to start. Who needs a little bit of kindness in your life, Right? Instead of envying what somebody else has or what it is that they've accomplished, how about we come alongside and just celebrate those accomplishments and those great things that are happening in somebody's lives, right? Number two, we serve them. God has equipped us to serve people in the world. See, it's all about finding needs to fill and finding hurts to heal. 
Boy, if we can do that, looking for ways to serve people both physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, right? I guess I hit two of those that mean the same thing. And then we show them, John 10.10 says this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So wherever we go, whatever it is that we do, let's move, come on this thing forward by loving out loud, allowing my life to leave a legacy and make a difference because of how I choose to live it. Mother Teresa said this, I think this is really cute. She said, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. Let me just read that again. Mother Teresa, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending his love letter to the world. I just, um, guys, just real quick, I just wonder if somebody here today, you know, is, has come and, and your life isn't where, where you want it to be. You've heard a lot about walking in relationship with Jesus and, and you've heard about people really experiencing forgiveness and the love of God, and you are so filled. Maybe, maybe you're like the prodigal son or even the other son that has just a lot of guilt and, and you feel condemned and you feel like, like, like maybe you've gone too far. Like maybe even God himself has drawn a line. Maybe God himself has a pot with your name on it. And, and, and you've gone so far away from him that God himself has thrown that pot at your feet and said, you have no place with me. I want you to know that that is just not the case. That God loves us all so much that he sent his one and only son. Imagine sending your only son to die for strangers, for people, people that, uh, that, didn't even, that, that weren't even choosing you, that, that, that some of them didn't even like you. But yet you send your son into, into that situation to give the ultimate sacrifice. That's how much God loves us. And so I just want you to know today that if that's you, I want you to know that, that there is grace and mercy for you today. There is love for you today. It doesn't matter how far you've gone and how long you've been there. I want you to know that, that God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. And all he is waiting is for you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. And what that looks like is this, God, I've been doing things my own way for a long time and it's not working. And God, with sincere heart, like I'm not gonna be the prodigal that, that, that is doing these things just to see what I can get from the Father. I'm doing these things because I've come to a place that my way is not the right way and that his way is. So God, I bow a knee to you and I say, God, my life doesn't belong to me but it belongs to you. And if you would like to do that this morning, either that or make a recommitment this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. We can, we can make that decision together today. Is there anybody here that needs to make that decision? You leave here today, man, I'm saved. My sins are forgiven and, um, and my life is, is filled with purpose. Now I just get to figure out what it is. Anybody? Awesome, right here in the back. Thank you so much. Is there anybody up top? Awesome. Thank you for that, sir. I love that. I want you to know that God loves you. Absolutely. You don't get anything else out 
you're supposed to be here for me to tell you that God loves you. So I want us all to stand to our feet right now. We're going to say a prayer this morning. And I want us all just to repeat this simple prayer. Lord, we thank you for the greatest gift given. You've given your life so that we can live. So right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I declare that my life does not belong to me, but it is yours. Pray you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give my life purpose right now. I receive it from you. And I ask you, Lord, that you would allow me for the rest of my days just to know you, to love you, and to serve you and serve others. Thank you, Lord, for your love towards me. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. I also want to just pray real quick, and, and I know we're taking a little bit more time, but I want to pray for those of you that you're just like, you know what, I've been walking with God for a period of time, but I don't know really what my purpose is. And purpose is one of those things, like it's not just one thing. Like it's how you live and, and whatnot. But you just, if you want clarity on, for God just to show you, then I just want you to slip a hand up. I want you to slip a hand. Like you're questioning. I know there's more. Please don't. Just, just be honest. If there's some of you that are just really struggling with, I struggled with this for a while. So awesome and all over the place. Can I just pray for you just real quick? Lord, I thank you so much for these that have raised their hand. And this thing called purpose is interesting. We get it wrong and probably we get it wrong because of some of the teachings that we've had, even, even in the greatest of churches. But purpose is just how we live our lives, just how we love you and and show love to one another, Lord. And, and I believe that everything that we can do, Lord, can be done as unto you. So Jeremy is a great plumber. I believe every time he goes out and he does a job, you know what I mean? He's doing that job as unto you. So the job is going to be done excellently. And then who knows, maybe while he's in a home, he comes across a situation and he's just able to pray and, and share the goodness of God. It doesn't have to be in a in a religious type way it can be in a real way so purpose is all around us and there's all kinds of things that we can do we can use our gifts and our talents that you have given us to advance your love your purpose in the earth our purpose is your purpose to seek and to save that which is lost we can go about it so many different ways and i just pray that this wouldn't be a point of confusion but this would be a point of just how we live. God, what are we going to do today? And then we go out and we do it. When he says step, we step. When he says go, we go. When he says speak, we speak. When he says do, we do. I thank you, Lord, for this. And I bless these people today in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.